welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, this week's episode, if I only knew, and, and prior to the recording today, Matt once again made me feel like a relic that belongs in a museum when he didn't pick up on a Tom Jones reference, but also didn't even know who Tom Jones was. No. So, mate, this week we're talking about um, something that's a bit bizarre, in fact. It's, it's not new, but it's definitely got some very real prominence, and I'm just keen on your take on it. It's this concept of cancel culture. Yeah. This week, we learned nothing was sacred as a certain amount of Dr. Seuss books have been pulled off the shelves and out of circulation by the publisher because there are depictions of fictional characters that may be perceived as no longer racially tolerant. One of the movies I asked you to look at, and I don't know if you've had the chance to yet, is a movie called Blazing Saddles, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen but would not stack up at all in current culture. And, you know, when I think about things like cancel culture, I think about James Gunn losing a job for a little while because of a tweet that he tweeted six or seven years prior to uh, yeah. to his fame and fortune. So what is cancel culture, dude? Like, yeah. explain this to me. This is obviously a huge deal, right, because it has real consequences, as you just talked about, right? Like, people lose their jobs, they lose their reputation, they lose their livelihood. But there's a real validity sometimes to cancel culture. I'm going to try and catch that duality, I think, here, Fred, because that's really important. First, on the Dr. Seuss stuff, from my knowledge, no one has banned the sale of these books. No one's tried to pull them off the shelves. I'm under the impression the publishers have just said they're not going to make any more of these six obscure Dr. Seuss books. And I think there's an important distinction there where, you know, I'd be pretty outraged if they said you can't sell these books anymore. But I do think a publishing company has their right to say, I don't want to make any more of these particular books for for this reason, so there's a discussion of itself there then. Do we think it would have been smarter for them to make a big deal out of no longer publishing them, but perhaps redraw the offending images in a way that's a little bit more socially acceptable now? And maybe beat sales up. I'm just talking as a CEO. <laughs> Look, no, you I know. think that's very valid. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure for it. I reckon they had no expectation that this would be the response because these are these six books. I've not heard any of them. I was doing some reading about this uh, last week, and I haven't read Mate, any five of minutes these. Five didn't ever know who Tom Jones. Was. <laughs> not looking at you. At I love Doctor Seuss, Fred. I don't give a shit about Tom Jones, but I love Doctor Seuss. <laughs> and uh, I, I, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> There's my reputation gone. Yeah, no, I enjoy his work and I haven't I had a bunch of Dr. Seuss read to me as a kid and I haven't heard of any of these and I reckon the publishing company had no expectation that this would blow up quite like it has and so I reckon that might be why this is the direction that it's uh, taken and you know that sort of um, uh, social media space grabbing onto one little thing out of out of the news or whatever that then explodes is a real feature of cancel culture in a lot of ways, right? So, in this yeah, case, it's a bit really- more of the pushback against cancel culture, right? This is a an explosion of conversation saying, this has gone too far. But equally, when things are being cancelled, you get that same phenomena of just a million conversations about one sentence or whatever, you know? So, what is cancel culture? Why are we talking about it? I think it's this idea of attempting to like de-platform or undermine someone for something that they've done or said, right? So somebody makes a a tweet that somebody thinks is culturally inappropriate or far more seriously, someone has abused their position of power or taken advantage of another person and cancel culture is an attempt to uh, find justice for this action that has been committed against someone. 
it typically, and I think very importantly, um, the intent behind this seems to be to hold people in positions of power who would otherwise be unaccountable to some sort of account that uh, is achieved by more of a mob justice approach. So, yeah. in in theory, I think the idea is you find someone who's done something terrible. For example, sexually assaulted someone. They are protected by their position of power. So, you use a the collective power of many, many people through social media to undermine them. And that's the only way, quote-unquote, to get justice here. I think that's the intent. We may have listeners from the UK listening to this podcast, and in fact, from all over the world. What Matt's just talked about is very topical because there's an allegation against a current Australian politician that's some 16 years old, although I don't think he's been cancelled yet. I think the politicians are a little bit Teflon when it comes to any accusation. But look, if there was a really famous example of this in my lifetime, it's Harvey Weinstein, who was exactly. you know, the, the reason for me too. And he was an unassailable power. They, they quoted him more times than they literally thanked God in Oscar speeches. And, and everybody knew what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, this mob that you talk about, and it's interesting you talk about an angry mob. I never got that image before, but it makes sense to me. But in this instance, you know, cancel culture took out the power power and led to uh, quite legitimate, as we understand it, criminal charges against Harvey Weinstein. So it's not all bad, right? I think the intent is good right here, Fred. It's this idea that you try and hold people to account who otherwise couldn't be held to account. That's a good idea. The problem is when cancel culture develops into this more universal culture, I suppose. You're not finding a a situation that's wrong, assessing its wrongness, and attempting to rectify that situation. Instead, you're applying this broad strokes um, approach to character assassination to people who don't necessarily deserve it. And there's tons of examples of that. An example of that. I'm worried. I mean, I'm the sort of person with so little a character and so inappropriate that I... But I have a rule, Matt. You can't be cancelled if you get cancelled and stay cancelled. So I was born ready for this shit. But, you know, give me some examples of when this has gone wrong. I have to give a huge shout out to a YouTube content creator. Uh, whose YouTube tag is ContraPoints. Her name is Natalie Wynn, and she does the most fantastic video on cancel culture. And that's where I've drawn a lot of this. Shout out to Natalie Wynn. And so I'll link that video in this uh, in the description. But basically, um, she herself was cancelled, right? And she draws... Okay, we're taking that shout out back. No, no, no. (laughs) She does a very good job of defending herself. I'm very happy to stand up for Natalie Wynn. I know, look, Natalie Wynn to me is like Tom Jones to him, people. I have no fucking clue. Go ahead. <laughs> this does not represent opinions of the better No, it absolutely doesn't, but that's okay. We've, we've is, got a disclaimer now. That's right. This Go is ahead, Matt. Matt. Blanche, so let's special. talk about this YouTuber. Yeah. Why did you get cancelled? Right. So the idea that she talks a lot about, there was a big internet storm around James Charles not too long ago. That name probably doesn't mean anything to you, Fred, at a guess. James Charles. Makeup icon. Yes. Damn. I'm impressed. How do you think I get foundation this week? James <laughs> Charles watched my videos on YouTube about makeup to look as good. Oh, yeah. I'm joking. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. So, makeup icon, he got cancelled uh, a year or two back for a handful of things. And, and Natalie does a fantastic analysis of the way in which that happened. But basically, Natalie went in a 40-minute long video. She asked uh, someone to be a voice actor. 
in it for a 10-second snippet of voice acting. Now, this man that she asked to participate um, is very controversial among trans Twitter, right? The internet community of trans people online. And he, he's a really controversial figure. And so, because Natalie decided to include him in one of her videos for 10 seconds, she was torn apart by this online community, right? Now, I, I think Really, the single most compelling idea why this might not have been appropriate is that video took hundreds of hours to create because it was a very technical, very in-depth video. And it seemed that a lot of people were totally ignoring the entirety of that work for the 10-second voice acting clip, which baffled me a lot, I think. So, there's a few things that come out of this, right? Basically, there's... The idea that it doesn't matter what your intention was or even the context in which something happened, cancelling seems to take something and run with it a lot of the time. Or, or maybe I should be more specific and say inappropriate cancelling or the, the dangerous kind of cancelling, right? So, do you have a, a sense, Fred, of this distinction that I'm talking about when I say um, cancelling that tries to achieve a valuable purpose and a more sinister cancel culture? I guess the way you've described it to me is there is difference between um, what I would call civil and civic activism. Mm. And I think about a Bill Cosby... I think about a Harvey Weinstein where it's been acknowledged for too long that they literally all got away with murder. You know, these are people that, um, that had a reputation for their wrongdoings and believed themselves to be bigger than the consequences. And it wasn't just those people that were whistleblowers in, in Australia at the moment for listeners. We have laws that protect whistleblowers for this reason. So it's the whistleblowers that come out. They're brave enough. And we've seen that people like Rose McGowan, for example, in the Harvey Weinstein scenario suffered for many years before there was justice. So there's this civil or civic action. And then there's the, the flip side of the same coin is these people that seek out wrongdoing, that literally screenshot people's history of comments in order to be offended on behalf of something and to cancel somebody because there's a degree of relevance. And it's really interesting. I listen to a great podcast called Ebony and Irony, which is from two drag queens, but one identifies as trans. And often some of the, the trans debates are actually hijacked by people that aren't trans and believe that they're aligned to or supporting the trans community and seek to do things that the trans community say, stop that. And there's a really good example of this, uh, Matt Twitch, who is a streaming platform, I believe, for yeah. gamers more than anything else. Twitch came up with the concept of gender inclusion where the word woman was changed to W-O-M-X-N. Oh, that's right. I fucking remember that. What was that? Okay, keep talking. Well, and, and the reason for it is to suggest that the historic spelling of the word was trans-exclusive. So by changing the spelling of the word, it was more inclusive to all forms of women. And this actually didn't work well for the trans community because they're not a subtype of women. They are, for for those that identify as women, women. And the pronoun or the, the terminology women is what they're what they yeah. prefer. So you can see that people can do things in the wrong way. And and in a lot of ways, 
people are, are trying to correct to be more inclusive, which I think is fantastic and psychologically we know makes the world a better place for people struggling with all sorts of issues. The more inclusive we are, the safer we are for people. But there are a whole heap of really empty people, I believe, that then take that quite pure justification and turn it into its own sort of hate stuff. And we've seen this with really bizarre right-wing groups coming out against certain behaviours. Because remember, cancel culture yeah. is a blunt instrument. You know, if you're cancelling the bad guys, then you allow other people to define what a bad guy might be. And it's really interesting for me. I, I think the first question I'd ask whenever I see this stuff is, who are you offended on behalf of? And what are they saying about this issue? And, and the James Gunn one was really bizarre. And it's a slippery slope for me because I think in the last decade, what we understand about racial representation has changed, what we understand about gender representation has changed. So if you went through and looked at what was an acceptable joke when I was 19, you would not tell that joke now yeah. and expect to be get it. But if people have put some of that stuff out in the public domain and then have recognised that it's wrong, apologised and evolved beyond it, that's the human condition. If you're going to pull them down because of something they said a decade ago, then, geez, we're really precluding the idea that people evolve, right? So you've got this toxic cancel culture where they it's almost like a gotcha culture versus this civil action, which is about deplatforming or seeing consequences for people that were unattainable. If I looked at possibly, I come back to Harvey Weinstein because his power was absolute, yeah. Right. And it was the capacity for others to support the whistleblowers that put pressure on corporate America to stop shielding an unassailable position. And, and that's often what happens. But then you get to, and let's look at recent one, which is, and I can't say her name. You might be able to help me with this. She was the actress on The Mandalorian. Yes. Gina Serrano, I think is how you would say it. And for those that are listening, if I've gotten that wrong, put a comment. Now she made a comment that was in essence saying my politics are right wing and I believe in the American Republican Party. And in the current day and age of cancel culture, that is akin to being a minority in pre-Nazi Germany where their propaganda was so good they had the community turn on each other. The mistake she made, and I don't think there's any time ever where anybody should ever compare their suffering yeah. to Holocaust survivors exactly. because it's just ignorant and it's stupid. And I'm not being particularly careful about that. I'm saying it like it is. That thing was an atrocity. There are atrocities like that going on right now around the world, but the reality is a really simple one. She was cancelled, and I don't believe she was cancelled for her political beliefs, I believe she was cancelled because of the parallels she drew and how insensitive yeah. that was. Yeah. But with that said, a lot of people have come out and said, if you read what she wrote, she wasn't disparaging people of the Jewish faith. She was drawing a poorly worded parallel. I don't know. Was that okay? Like, you look at that. You're a smart guy. Yeah. I'm not defending her. I watched The Mandalorian. I don't see what the buzz was about her. Um, and I won't do any spoilers. Just yeah. saying at the yeah. end, lightsaber, stop. Oh, um, I love The Mandalorian, Fred. What are you on about? But what, yeah, no, I, I, I really yeah. liked it too. But talk to me a little yeah. bit about was it right for her to be cancelled? Yeah. No, look, or? that's that's definitely one of the more difficult cases, I'd say, Fred. Like, I personally. Um, on exactly the same point where it's basically insane, I think, to compare your experience to 
like a Jewish person in Nazi Germany. Like, come on, what the hell? Um, But ultimately, I think the other the other idea there was she'd been using her platform for a variety of what I found to be quite questionable things the last while. Like, you know, it wasn't this wasn't the first thing that I thought was a bit out of left field. Personally, yeah, she believed Trump won the election. Yeah, it just it just seemed a little bit dangerous of use of that platform personally. But I think that there's a couple of really key ideas that you were just talking about there, about this idea of like people who have said things in the past or, or have like misconstrued something through the internet. The internet is not a clear platform for communication, right? No. Um, so something can be misconstrued, you can it can be kept there from 10 years ago, it can be used, it can be like interpreted incorrectly, all this sort of stuff, and that's a real problem. So one of the key traits that I think is a problem with the more, the more negative types of cancel culture is this sense of like essentialism where it's like it's not a critique of your actions it's a critique of who you are as a person right and that's a really fundamental problem because i think like obviously we need genuine criticism in the world that's just how the world works but i find that a lot of the more toxic cancel culture isn't a criticism of an action with the intent of improving that action or belief it's a attack on an individual and their fiber as a being and I think that's really dangerous because it doesn't give people the space to grow and it doesn't give people the space to change. Because I think the fact is humans do change. I, I know there are a lot of cynical people out there and a lot of people who've been really hurt by people who don't change or can't change. But I do think humans have to be able to change in some way or another. I think it's something that we do quite well. So I think that that's a real problem. And and it's interesting for me, I where I sort of draw the line, I have a hard time with people that sanction comedians because you're a funny guy Fred you know you, you've got to have the space to uh, love your comedians and say what you want to say of course <laughs> no that, well that's true I'm a funny guy and <laughs> given that I pay you I don't expect you to say shit like that <laughs> but realistically there is a style of humour which is you know the insult comics famously Joan Rivers Don Rickles and this concept of roasting one of the funniest pieces of comedy I've ever seen is by a comedian who has a disability and is wheelchair bound roasting a trans comedian and it is the most vicious like to the point where you often when you listen to it Matt you would cover your your mouth because it is shocking shit and both of them have come out to say it's some of their proudest work (laughs) because in their capacity to self-deprecate and roast humor always has a degree of humility in it so they make it okay for the hateful shit they say by self-targeting i think we've got to be very careful when we cancel or attempt to cancel satire because without it without the stuff that shocks you you are then living in a false reality where we assume this stuff doesn't exist. So there's a difference between cancel culture with a purpose and the capacity to get offended for the sake of offense. And there's something you said earlier, which I think is at the heart of this. This concept of boycott before we had social media was actually quite powerful. I remember people boycotting certain retailers when I was a kid. I can't tell you why. So clearly it was more important to them than it was to me. Now, there's an example I want to give of how this has also been hijacked, Matt, by smart marketing people, Yeah. right? And there's two examples that have come out in the last seven days that I think are fantastic. The first is, and I don't endorse this, on International Women's Day, Hungry Jacks oh, in the I UK saw this. ran ads for their employment to say a woman's place is in the kitchen. They then 
very quickly apologized. I do not believe that it was an error. I believe it was intentional and it was about triggering outrage so that it became a global story because we're talking about it today. Yep, yep. They then apologize. No harm, no foul. We've learned our lesson, but they have global coverage of a regional recruitment ad. So I think ultimately the thin end of the wedge with this cancel culture is when it's done right, it's a form of civil activism. When it's done poorly, it's mob justice and hate. And despite its intent, people have learned to hijack it. So do we cancel cancel culture, Matt? <laughs> it comes down to this question, Fred, of like, what's the point of this? What's the goal? And I think the goal has to be to make the world a better place, doesn't it? Isn't that the fundamentally the idea? So if you're getting offended about something that doesn't hurt anyone, or if you're, if you're attacking somebody for something that they actually haven't done, or even more frustratingly for me, Fred, is this idea that cancelling can be transitive. So if you don't condemn someone who's been cancelled, now you're cancelled. Therefore, you agree yeah, with them. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's and so that's fucked one. as well, right? That's I, I think that's insane. So in all these cases, I think that's totally stepping away from the purpose of trying to seek justice from someone who would otherwise be untouchable. Like, if, you, if you're not doing that, what's the point? Cancel that shit. But if you are doing that, all power to you. The internet is a fantastic way to mobilize people and decentralize power in an otherwise centralized world. And there's always been civil unrest, Matt. You know, there's always been people that rise up. I think in the internet age, though, it just gets a bit hard for people to know what are the right and just causes versus what is the shit stir and the sour grapes and the, I want to get the likes, I want to get the retweets. It's vindictive, isn't it, Fred? It's vindictive. It's like, I've got you. Well, it's it's definitely vindictive, but it's also addictive (laughs) because I think I worry, as as a clinician, I worry that it's replicating the validation that you would get if you, uh, during the pandemic, we saw... I think what was probably a very interesting uprise around the world around the concept of Black Lives Matters. People literally knew that they may be taking their health into their own hands, but they felt strongly enough for equality that they marched. And I think attending that march is genuine civil participation. Yeah. Okay. And I think those that were smart enough to keep social distancing and wear a mask and keep everybody healthy while they did it both exercised their capacity to participate without jeopardizing others. And I think it was heard around the world and I think it was really important. Uh, the only thing that makes me upset about it is that they make it all about America when realistically those issues are in lots of other places. So I think there's a degree of genuine authenticity in some actions. Whereas people piling on a, you know, a, a tweet from James Gunn, we're actually saying that some pretty person on film said some shit once that might be heinous today, right? I don't know too many people that have been cancelled. Most of this shit is losing its power because do we care if some B-grade actress is cancelled? They'll recast her and the show goes on. And this is, a, I guess, a question for you is... There are some famous examples of cancel culture and Michael Jackson would be a really good one. And this diatribe around, can you still enjoy his music because he's been cancelled? 
What do you think on that? Quick yeah. thoughts on can you separate the performer from the performance? Jesus, Fred, that's uh, we do not have the time for that. But basically, I think you might be able to. I think that the, the only reason that I might disagree with you about like the significance of you know these pretty Hollywood people, because that is a very valid concern, is that they often seem to have platforms and they have followers. And True. platforms can be a powerful tool. The question is how effectively they're used and all that sort of stuff. That's a whole other discussion. In terms of enjoying art, I'm I'm not convinced that art is inseparable from its artist. We have a we have a thing when whenever I was in school learning English, reading books, you know, you often get told that as an artist, once you put your art out into the world, you don't you no longer have control over it. You know, you know, people have every opinion on it under the sun. Some people hate it, some people love it. And as a Indeed. and as a creator, you have to be okay with that. You have to be used to that because that's just how life is. Now I wonder if we expect creators to give up their creative control over their artwork once they put it out to the world because they have to. Maybe we can be valid in saying that our own creative interpretation of art, once it's out in the world, can be valid even if we are very disapproving of the uh, artists themselves. That's the my, my personal approach to that. My take on it's really simple. This will be my final thought, and I think this is what you're saying. Art is no longer the property of the creator when it's out into the zeitgeist, okay? Yeah. If I asked you, do you know who Bram Stoker is, would you say yes or yes, no? Yes, no, that's a big no. Okay, I'll help you out here. Do you know who Dracula is? Yes. Okay, so Bram Stoker, the, the original author of Dracula, right. is less relevant than his creation, who lives on in spite of the artist. And we, in fact, have laws that say art becomes public domain after X amount of time, which means other creators can play with the story. I think in 75 years' time, other people will play with Michael Jackson music or Beatles music or whoever, and it doesn't become about the original X, Y, Z that did it. The Phil Spectors, the Michael Jacksons, those people whose lives will become infamous are a footnote to what they created and what others can do with it, which I believe is a reason not to cancel the content, even if you cancel the creator. Now, we've talked a lot about cancel culture, and it's probably going to happen to me sooner or later. <laughs> I refuse to be canceled. I'm above cancellation. Yeah, yeah. But think about it. We've talked about it today. You've had a fantastic insight on this, and I've got to admit, this is one where I really feel like I learned more than I contributed because you guys are in the middle of this. You know? Exactly. I think it's been one of our better episodes, mate. I really enjoy it. Join us next week for If I Only Knew. It's a goodbye from me, Matt. Yeah, see you guys. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you learned something. Bye, guys. See ya. Jobs will come and go, but a great place to work is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And when that great place is the better health generation, you know you're getting a unique experience as an allied health professional. The Better Health Generation offers opportunities for those interested in working in aged care, disability, paediatrics, direct with consumers through medical practices, with the unemployed, with people on disability unemployment, with the assessment only market, with markets that look after return to work and preventative corporate health, and with brands that work specifically with elite sports people advocating for better mental health outcomes. Regardless of your profession, physio, OT, EP, psych, speech pathologist, social worker, nurse, there is room for everybody. 
many and more. So if you're a podiatrist, if you're a dietitian, call the number now. Due to demand, our organization is growing. And that means opportunities for elite health professionals that want to join an organization that allows them the career growth that they know they need but don't know how to get. So our number is 1300 817 791. That number again is 1300 817 791. And remember, Matt and Fred sent you and they love the business enough. They already work here. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.